Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Thriving Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Sherry. Listen, today is the final interview of season four of the Thriving Thoughts podcast. This season, you who have been following, listening, watching, watching, thank you so much for your support. I pray that you have been encouraged, that you have found hope in the stories of my guests and in my solo episodes, that if there is a space where you have been feeling alone, that you are truly not alone, and that even in that alone space, even in that alone feeling, there is an opportunity to thrive, an opportunity to grow. Today, my friend Amber has come on the show to share a very real, raw, and personal story of thriving alone in the discovery that her father her longtime hero, friend, was not who she thought he was. You'll hear all about that heartbreaking call she received on a Christmas Eve about six years ago and the haunting alone spaces that she's had to travel between then and now. I'm so grateful to Amber for shedding light on this story. A trigger alert for many of you who have been sexually assaulted or maybe you have a family member who is charged with sexual assault of a minor. Please keep that in mind that this episode, while it does not contain graphic detail, it does contain detail specific to the emotional trauma and the alone spaces that one encounters in the aftermath of sexual assault. May you find truth and hope in the messages that my friend Amber has to share. Amber, my dear friend, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on for the last interview of season four. Oh, me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. So um, this is just for the people watching and listening. This is a sensitive topic and I'll go back and probably not for young ears to listen to. Um, I would be my guess. Um, but maybe, I guess it depends on the questions you ask. <laughs> All right. All right. Four-year-old is sitting next to me, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Amber. Okay. <clears throat> we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out along the way. So this season, hello, little one. Uh, this season is all about learning to thrive. So growing and prospering and flourishing as a person when you're feeling like you've gone through something where you feel alone. What is something that you have been and felt alone in? Most of my life, my dad was just, he hung the moon. He was just an awesome guy. Everybody loved him. Never met a stranger. Mm -hmm. He was super helpful, mm -hmm. um, very involved in church and ministry. And he just seemed like a man who was after God's heart mm -hmm. and he had a heart to serve. And then um, about <clears throat> six years ago, um, we were, it was close to Christmas and me and my husband and my kids were getting ready to go and visit my parents for the holidays. And we got a call from someone saying, Hey, um, I don't think you should go. Um, one of my kids just told me that, um, your dad has been assaulting them for a number of years. Mm. Um, and so that was you know, you hear that and it's more than something that's unbelievable to you. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, did you, were you like so struck in the face with it that you're like, what, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely, um, you know, I mean, 
for myself, I was a victim of sexual abuse when I was a child, not, not by my dad, just a totally different situation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I know in the back of my mind, you know, of course I know that kids don't lie about that. Mm. It's like, they just, it's not a thing that a kid is going to make up and say, this is, this is something that happened when it, it hasn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that truth is there and you know, that truth is there, but reconciling it with the man that I've known my whole life. Right. It's just those two things don't, they didn't match. They didn't reconcile. It's like, how, how is that even possible? Yeah. And how so, did, well, so how did you respond? Um, I was just kind of like, okay. And I was kind of stunned. I was, I was actually right. in Walmart <laughs> at the time shopping. Um, oh I was kind of, it wasn't a long phone conversation. It was just a, um, I, um, I called my mom. Okay. And, um, you know, she's in shock and she's in disbelief because, you know, they had been married for over 30 years. So did this person also call her at that point? Yes. I believe she had already heard that information. Um, okay. so I was not the one who told her she, when I called her, she had that information. She had that. Okay. Um, and so it was just, everybody was just kind of in disbelief and she was just, she was shell shocked. She wasn't, um, she didn't have any answers for me. She was just kind of in a state of shock. Yeah. So, um, you know, my husband and I, we were just kind of like, I mean, and this was like maybe four days before Christmas. So we were like, okay, well, we're not going to go. We're just gonna, you know, we don't, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're just gonna, um, we're, we're going to hang out here. So the timeline of all the details, it's, it's a little muddled. You know, cause I well, know at some you point were, you said your mom was shell-shocked, but I, I imagine that you had a similar experience to that just in a different way. Cause you weren't married to him, but he's your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did. And it was, um, you know, and it was, I, I tend to be kind of practical sometimes. So I'm like, how can I put this in a, um, practical box of, okay, well, this was our plan. Now I need to think of my kids and adjust my plans. And so it was really I wasn't taking in the emotional aspect of it right at that point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, and cause I had talked to him at some point after that other conversation and, oh no, that didn't happen. That's not true. I don't know why they're saying that. That's what your dad said. Yes. Oh. Yes. And so I'm like, I don't know what's going on kind of thing. And so, um, Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, so so the conversation that you had with your dad was after the confession or accusation or whatever was made. Yes. Yes. Got it. Okay. Um, so Christmas Eve, we were all doing Christmas stuff at my in-laws house and he called me and he said, it was all true. Oh, you know, my he, just, he just called and he said, you know, he didn't give me any details. He just said everything that has been said has been true. Those things happen. And he was crying and, um, <laughs> you know, just, oh, you know, and not even, not even it's, I'm sorry. I let you down. Not, oh, I'm sorry. Gosh. I did those things. It was, a sorry. It was a very, um, that's the least of, I, I, I imagine that that would be the least of your concerns, your mm -hmm. dad letting you down. Yeah. And it was just, um, you know, and I think he has always tried to 
portray the image of I'm this reliable guy, I'm this upstanding man, I am this wonderful person. And I think part of it was that image. You know, he was still trying to protect that image in a way, I think. I don't okay. know, I'm not inside his head. I'm so baffled yeah, yeah. by all of that sometimes, right? <laughs> often. So um, that happened. <laughs> so what did, do you remember what you said to him? Or did you, um, or were you just like on the other end of the line with your mouth agape? Like what? Pretty much. I was just kind of like, okay. That mm-hmm. was just, um, you know, you don't know how to respond to that. And um, no. so again, that was another kind of shock thing. And then I had to, um, we were getting ready to open presents. <laughs> so I kind of had to hold it in and yeah. go in and, um, you know, be happy with the kids and um, not react right in that moment. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was later that I was really, when I was home and, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of break down and you're like, and it's still, this is, this is still kind of how it is for me is it just feels like there's just like a whole tornado mm-hmm. full of like 75,000 different emotions. And you can't just grab one and hold on to it. Right. It's like, betrayal, grief, disgust, just all of it. And it's just all swirling around. And it's yeah. like, um, you, you can't get a hold of it, mm. you know? Um, so it was kind of a whirlwind like that for a while. And then that's a really, really good way to describe what I could only imagine that you, the feelings you've been grappling with. Yeah. And then, um, a few days later, <laughs> I got another call from my mom. <laughs> Um, telling me that, cause my, my younger brother was also staying with my parents at the time. Okay. Um, and he was mid twenties, he was uh, going to college and stuff. So he was there with them. They were on the way to the hospital because he had shot himself in the chest with a crossbow because he had, um, I guess at that point plans had been established that he was going to go back to the state in which the, that had happened uh-huh. because they weren't in the same state. Um, and he was going to turn himself in and all that, <clears throat> but instead he shot himself with a crossbow. Oh my gosh. Now, did he, was that, was there a claim that he was trying to take his life by doing that? Yes. Um, <clears throat> that was, that was what that was. Cause, um, he had, and I don't know all the backstory about this part, but many, many years ago when he was very young, he had been in prison. Um, and so he was, you know, I can't go back. I can't Mm. face it. I can't go through that again. This is just from what I was told. Okay. uh, My understanding of that. Um, so he was in the hospital for maybe a week or so. And then they did put him in, um, a mental place for, I want to say 24, 48 hours. Okay. Um, before he was released, because at that point, after that happened, <clears throat> my husband and my kids, we did go to the state that they were living in. We did go up there to be with my mom. He was not there, you know, <clears throat> and um, try and figure out what we needed to do for her. And there were some neighbors that were there and they had offered to drive him to the other state to um, do all of that. Mm-hmm. So then, um, 
I was there with my mom and trying to help her figure out, you know, what she was going to do because <clears throat> she just was kind of at a loss. She had, she had worked off and on throughout their marriage, but for the most part, <clears throat> for the most part, she was um, just a stay at home yeah. wife, you know, and they're both in their sixties at this mm-hmm. point. Um didn't own a car. They were renting a house. There was nothing in the way of savings. So she was kind of left just, just in shambles. Empty-handed. Yeah. Yes. Um, my younger brother came back to stay with me. Um, and then she was going to come stay with me also, but she wanted to have a little time by herself to process. <clears throat> and um, she stayed for about two weeks by herself. And my brother and I, we drove back and kind of got him settled and we don't have a very large house. So it was just trying to make everything work. So, Um, so let me, let me interrupt your train of thought there. So there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot happening here. It's not just emotions that are swirling around in this tornado above your head. It's okay. This is my dad. I love my dad. This is my dad. I can't understand my, my dad. I might hate my dad. This is my dad tried to kill him, kill himself. Oh my gosh. How does that make me feel? This is my mom who now I'm worried about because she's left to fend for herself. Now I've got to take in my little brother so that he's going to be okay. (laughs) And so I imagine all of those emotions that were swirling, you, you weren't even trying to get a hold of one of them. You were just treading water. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't, it honestly, it was, um, I didn't have the opportunity to deal with it emotionally for quite some time. I mean, this has been about six years ago, I want to say now. And it just, my mom was really just, she was devastated. I can't imagine. Yeah. And in hindsight, you know, her and I, we've been able to talk about how Maybe there should have been a little more balance in us both being able to emotionally process and everything. Okay. But so there was a lot of taking care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for you to process what you needed to process. No, I mean, and you know, my younger brother, he just, he didn't want to talk about it. That was just, he locked it away. That was it. And, you know, my husband was very sweet and tried to be very understanding, but um he came from a very stable, very loving, very secure family where, you know, those things don't happen. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. when, well, I wouldn't even say that those things don't happen because the, those things, you know, sexual assault is not a respecter of no, no ability or socioeconomics. It's not a respecter of anything. No, I agree that. And that's, that's not what I meant by that statement. I guess I just meant, um, his family growing up, they hadn't personally been affected by anything anything like that. that. They hadn't had, um, Mm -hmm. you know, his growing up, I don't believe unless he hasn't told me about something, there hadn't been any really big, bizarre, just Mm -hmm. bizarre out of left field, crazy things that had happened in his family. Mm -hmm. So um, just from his very, very stable perspective, he was as supportive and understanding as he could be. But, you know, I mean, it's hard because, you know, they're like, of course you feel like 
well, how could we not know? You know, he's, he's just being this evil person and really hurting and damaging other people in the most horrific ways. And you feel like, okay, we think we know him. So there's a responsibility with that, that you feel, which I I know now. (laughs) Well, let let me ask you, let's, let's, let's focus on that for a sec, because how the, the way that you worded that, how did you word that? You said, do I know? How did you word that? How do I know him? What did you say? Well, how do we not, how did we not, how did we not know? Mm -hmm. So, all right, here's my suspicion. So not only did you ask yourself, how did we not know? Were you presented with pseudo accusations from other people? How could you not know? Um, Or were there any undertones of that? Not for me. Um, I feel like for me, it was more like, nobody came right out and asked, but I felt like there were times as I was discussing this with people where they were wondering if I was a victim to that, but had never come forward with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know, I mean, even family members, they would, um, as far as my mom goes, like family members that we hadn't spoken to in years. Oh, well, how she, she must've known because she was just so in love with my dad. And so there was a lot of that where, you know, that is, um, th- that's just an added layer. It's like insult to injury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so there, I know that there was more of that for her. Yeah. You know, um, so that's, yeah, <laughs> there was, um, and then there's, there's nobody to really talk to about it. You know, it's like, so when you asked yourself, how did I not know? What were some of the conversations you had with yourself? Well, you know, I think, you know, just as far as like my relationship with my dad, you know, for most of my life, I just thought he was this amazing, wonderful guy. And it had kind of been where I was. As did everyone, because I knew your dad for a year. I thought he was a great, nice guy. But um, I knew for me, I was kind of coming into that place in my life where some of the disillusionment just of how wonderful he was, was Mm -hmm. kind of wearing through. I was seeing more of the selfishness and the self-centeredness in him. Mm -hmm. And just little things where, and I guess probably every child goes through this with their parents as they become adults and they see their parents' shortcomings, you know? Yes. (laughs) Um, But for me, you know, just, we would be on the phone and he would, he was pipe dreamers, all always with the pipe dreams and the schemes and money-making ideas. And you'd get on the phone with him and he'd talk for 20 minutes about his ideas without asking you how you were. And then he'd be like, okay, I got to go. Mm. And that's the way it had always been. Uh, yes. But it was just um, over a few years before that, we got that other news that was really starting to impact to me. And I was starting okay. to notice yeah. that. I went off on a rabbit trail and I forgot the question. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. So that's what I'm here for to bring us back. So you were... I was asking what were some of the darkest places when you were asking yourself, how could I have not known? Okay. Right. So, okay. I'm sorry. So, yes. So, I mean, there was a part of me that felt like, okay, I was starting to see that he wasn't necessarily as great, but there was still nothing that said, this is who he really is. And I just, you know, when you, I think anytime you see someone that has been hurt in such a way and you just, you just feel like 
it just, it shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. I know that we are in an imperfect world. And so, I mean, of course you just, you look for someone to blame and I really, for me, I just had to, I just really had to make myself say, I, I didn't know. I couldn't know Mm -hmm. and allow myself to not hold on to that. I guess. Because it's, it's really an impossible question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think there's any answer to that. So you're, how old, how many kids did you have at the time that you found this out and how old were they? I had two and my youngest right around two. Mm-hmm. So my oldest was four. Okay. They're, they're very close in age. And so, had you had any concern about your girls? Like you mentioned, other people might've had concerned about your girls. Mm-hmm. Did you have any concern about your girls having been victim to that? I did actually, I had a conversation with my, their pediatrician just to see um, what her thoughts might be if there was anything, you know, because I didn't know at the time how, I mean, I know it's all bad. I didn't know the level of what had happened with what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I didn't know. So I did, you know, I talked to the pediatrician and I would, you know, just to find out, you know, are there things that I should be looking for? Mm-hmm paying attention to that might be an indicator if this happened or not. Um, you know, and her response was kind of at that point, well, I mean, they're very young and, you know, it's, it's just a hard thing to see Yeah. if, you know, so that was definitely a, a concern because mm-hmm. I mean, I know they had come moved around a lot. So they had, um, they had just in that same year, they had spent a few months staying at my house. Mm. <clears throat> So that's definitely, that was definitely a concern. How is that concern gone now? Or is that still a concern you have? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I hope that it is not. Is it something that's present in your mind? It is. It's not something that I think about too often okay. anymore. I mean, I did for a while. Yeah. Um, I don't think about it too often anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids are much older. They're very happy and mm-hmm. balanced. And, um, I mean, and I know that I'm not saying that people cannot be happy and balanced after something like that yeah. has happened in their life. Um, but if it were a thing that happened in their life and it is a thing that they don't remember, then I'm certainly not going to try and delve into, did this happen in your life or right. not? Right. So we are just in a moving forward yeah. stage. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, now what about for you? Um, so you had said before people had questions for you. Did your dad do that to you when you were little? It, no, I mean, and like I said, it wasn't just outright asked. I would be having, there were a few people and I'm, you know, I mean, when at first we first found out about this, there was just a handful of people mm-hmm. that I really confided in on what was going on. And, um, and I, I, I don't remember the exact comments, but there were things, you know, when you're in a conversation with someone and you just, you can tell what they're mm-hmm. saying without saying. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there were some people where I was just felt comfortable enough to be yeah. outright, like, no, this never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and other people, I was just like, I don't really care what they think. <laughs> it's none of their business. Right. Um, so for me, it was just more hinty okay. stuff. Okay. Um, 
or as both my mom, it was just outright, oh, she had to have known mm. comments. <clears throat> so it was kind of, you know, it was, it was different for both of us mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. how that was addressed. So like, take us, talk to us a little bit about, I, I can, I, I cannot imagine. I can't even only imagine. I just can't even fathom. Um, you love your dad and he's, you know, like your, your hero, he's your guy, he's your, he's your dude. And then suddenly he's not that person anymore. He's a different person. And so it's, it's like your relationship, not your idea, not just your idea of him, but your relationship just, it evaporates. It's like, like what happened? Can you share with us some of the most um, difficult parts of that journey? I think, I'm sorry. I just got you off. Um, there was a lot of, um, it was like my dad died. The Ugh. man that I knew as my dad, it was mm-hmm. like he died. It was that, that kind of a loss. Yeah. Um, because in, in all senses, that's what happened. The man yeah. that I thought he was, the man that I had a relationship with, Yeah. you know, it was just, it was gone. gone. It was just totally eradicated from everything. And, but at the same time, I felt like I couldn't really grieve Yeah, because of the man that he actually was. Mm. And so like reconciling, how do I grieve somebody I loved who now is this monster? Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, I still wrestle with that sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I'm scrolling through Facebook and you see the posts of, you know, light a candle if you miss your dad in heaven or something. And I know he's not dead. He's in prison where he should be. Um, <laughs> but you know, um, but there's not, I will never be able to do that. I will no. never be able to, you know, even when he does pass away someday, there will never be a moment where I can just grieve for the dad that I knew for the first 30 years of my life without the new knowledge. Yes. Yes. Because it just, who he really was, it just, it tainted everything. Every memory. It mm. just, it tainted it all. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, cause you know, as adults, we do, we have, we run into things and um, different smells, different environments, different places. And we have flashbacks. We have memories of something with Mm -hmm. someone. And so what happens to you when you have a, is it like you have this fond memory and then you're like, ugh, or like, how does that go for you? It's mostly like, ugh, (laughs) like the fondness is just there. It, it really, there isn't fondness anymore. I mean, it's, Mm. you know, I mean, I can talk about now I can be like, okay, well, this is a memory that happened when I was a kid that like, if it involves my whole family or something, you know, we went here and we did this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like a fond memory of him. He's just mentioned because he He's happened to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, there's not every memory <laughs> that I have, like from when I was little, any memory that I have of him is always followed by was that the man he was then? And we just didn't know it yet. Oh, was that happening in his life then? You know, so it's like, for me, like, you know, the song that I list, I danced to at my wedding with him. I can't even listen to it anymore. And I loved that song. You know, there are just things that it's just, it's ruined <laughs> all of the memories. Every memory is just, that's not who he was. And was he yeah. that 
that evil person at that time. And I, you know, it just, there's no fond memory. There's no moment of fond memory. So basically all of your fond memories have been taken from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, um, it's something you don't think about. And that's why I'm really grateful that you, um, agreed to come and share this with me and with the listeners and the, and the people watching, um, what are the things that you still grapple with? Like, I know you've resolved some stuff, maybe, I don't know, but what are some of the things that maybe you feel are more resolved and some that you still struggle with? Um, I mean, there is definitely still the moments where I would like to be able to grieve and can't that just that sense of loss I mean I know why when you say you can't you say you can't because when you when you attempt to do that those tainted the tainted parts come back or it feels like even grieving for him is just wrong it feels like it's a betrayal to the people that he hurt it just feels it just feels wrong. You know, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't actually know how to, to put it into words. It's just because he's not really gone, but he's really gone. Um, well, the, the man you, the man you knew is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I remember, um, I want to ask you about something I I told you when, when this was happening Um, and you may not even remember what I told you, but I I wonder if you've been able to embrace that at all is truth for you to allow yourself to love him and hate him. Honestly, I don't, I can say that I don't hate him. Okay. You know, I am disgusted with him yeah yeah I mean there's just like um a physical disgust that's just I I you know have been sick over this mm-hmm. um I also don't know that I could say that I love him yeah um I mean at this point in my life the the strongest emotion that I have towards him is just disgust and bewilderment Mm. Um, do you still have a relationship with your dad? No, I, um, when my mom filed for divorce, um, I did, I helped her with that and I had to be in contact with him for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I did my, my best to keep it very, um, to the point without personal information Mm -hmm. about anyone just this paperwork needs to be signed, notarized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, he had sent a letter in response, which, can you let me know? I want some information. I'm going to go ahead and take care of this, but give me some information kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it was, it was logist, it's logistical contact, if any. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, when, he left everybody letters when he went to surrender himself to um, the authorities, you know, and it was all 
the sorry I'm got caught, I got caught, the I'm sorry I'm going to prison. I'm, it was just, there was no. There was no actual acknowledgement that what mm-hmm. he did was 100% evil. <laughs> evil. Yeah, it was just. It was, there was, evil. yeah. So um, that that's really so no, there's no relationship or mm-hmm. anything like that. That's, mm-hmm. that was it. And that was four years ago, I think when she finally uh, got that paperwork through mm-hmm. for all of that. So mm-hmm. is Christmas um, post-traumatic for you? It has been, I will say probably this year was the easiest for me. I mean, the, the following Christmas was definitely hard. And then, um, you know, my husband's family, they're very loving and he has a really wonderful dad. And, um, that was really hard for me. The first one was, it was just like a gut punch mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you know, but I mean, honestly, cause we spend a lot of time with him and, um, and he has, he has a sister who's close to my age and I go over there and I'd see them interacting my sister-in-law and my father-in-law and, um, <clears throat> not even at Christmas time. And it was just, that was, very difficult for the first few years. Um, you know, and I used to be (laughs) crazy Christmas person, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I would just go all out. And so this year was the first year that I really, I was like, okay, I'm going to go buy new decorations. I'm really going to do up the house. I mean, I I did the tree and some decorations and stuff, of course, for my Mm -hmm. kids, but this was the first year that I really felt it. Mm. Um, so that, you know, definitely lingered and affected the holidays. And, um, you know, of course, Father's Day is always hard. And um, what's, tell us what's hard about Father's Day for you? um, Well, I mean, it's, I think just, well, of course, there's all the Facebook posts. (laughs) Uh So, right, right. You see that other people have a dad. They have a dad, they get to celebrate their dad and, um, or miss their dad. And, um, so it's just a hard, it's just, um, it's a missing piece of me. It's, it's just a missing piece of me. It is missing. Um, I mean, so then, you know, I, I do turn it around and make it, make it about my kid's dad, but, um, but there, there are those moments throughout the day where it's just, okay. Yeah. My dad is this horrible person and, mm-hmm. you know, um, so it's, did you ever feel like, um, guilty just because he was your dad? And and guilty of what? I don't know. I just mean like a guilty feeling. Um, I don't, I don't think that that's something that I felt. No, I don't, I don't think I ever felt guilty like that. Um, you know, I mean, had I ever had any prior indication of that's yeah. who he might've been, but I mean, I think, I guess maybe what I mean is like guilty by association, not like guilty, like you're a party to it, but like like stained tainted because this is part of me um you know I I guess more like shame kind of okay yeah Mm -hmm. um not not now I mean because there there were times when it was you know I mean it's hard to say this is who my dad is this is Mm -hmm. what he's done it's Mm -hmm. just I mean it's just so beyond gross he's just like I mean just it's it's evil it's and it's he's just an evil person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, again, it's not, you know, I'm comfortable talking about it now. I don't feel like I carry that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, 
you know, for me, I'm able to, like, I don't let my kids do sleepovers. Um, I don't let them go hang out at other kids' houses if their dad's there. And I know that men are not the only people who are offenders, but I know that statistically it's higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if a parent ever has a problem with that, I do, you know, I feel I have the freedom to be like, look, this is who my dad was. You know, this is who we thought he was. This is who he turned out to be. Yeah. So don't take it personally. Right. This is my <laughs> This stance, was though. somebody who was that close to mm-hmm. me and I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, it took me a good year or so before I was comfortable leaving them at, with my mother-in-law, mm. my father-in-law was there and, you know, he's a wonderful man and I would mm-hmm. never think that, you know, anything about him, but, you know, it just, for my own sense of security, the, you know, the protector it, really became, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and again, that's something that I have, I've healed past, I've grown past, you know, um, in so, regards to my family. <laughs> Speaking of healing and growing, because I, you know, I re- I'm a firm believer that we never like move on from something like everything that we experience is a part of us. It remains a part of us. It moves on with us mm-hmm. uh, in some form. We never mm-hmm. like get over and forget and move on. Um, so, but for you in the healing process, this healing journey, um, what do you feel like is something that you've learned or even two or three things that you've learned about yourself in the process? Well, I think, I mean, I feel like I am definitely stronger than I maybe realized um, because it wasn't, I mean, it was that, but then it was also, it kind of fell on me to pick up the pieces of everybody around me. Um, so you, did you put, and you put your grieving process in the back seat to be able to do that? Yes. Yeah. But I have also, that's another thing though, is I have also learned that I can't always do that. Hmm. I have to, um, I have to, yeah. I mean, I, I know that sometimes you have to take care of people, mm-hmm. but I also have to find the room to take care of me and my to deal with things and process them. Cause I will, I will suppress like nobody's business yeah, an and, excellent and, pour, suppressor. <laughs> right. and, and pour into others as yeah. a distraction, not as a distraction, but like, okay, I've got it. Yeah. If I focus on pouring into others, then I don't have to deal with my own stuff. So that's, that's really good. How are you, what are you learning um, in terms of how to do that? And in, in terms of how not to neglect your own grief? <sighs> um. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can put it into words. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, every, everything that we go through in life, you know, we pick up little lessons along the way. And I don't know if we can always, I mean, for me, I can't always pinpoint, this is exactly what I learned. And this is when I learned it. It's Mm -hmm. just, I guess it is that growth of, yeah. Okay. In hindsight, I can look back and say, okay, four years ago, this is how I was. And this is how I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere in between those four years, it was like a subtle growth. Of, right. You know, maybe it was moments of me becoming overwhelmed because mm-hmm. I hadn't dealt with my stuff and having like emotional explosions Yeah. or, um, you know, being able to have open conversations with my mom where I was like, you know, it just, it really wasn't fair. Mm-hmm. You know, you had a husband and you have, you know, she's married to a wonderful man. Now he's just loves the Lord. Very, very, very sweet, gentle man. You know, but I was able to say, you know, 
I know that you lost your husband, but Mm -hmm. you were able to kind of refill that void in your heart that longs for companionship where me, I don't ever get to fill that. Mm -mm. That's not going to happen. And it just, it wasn't fair. You know, I was able to tell her it wasn't just, it wasn't fair that I had to spend three years kind of holding you together Mm -hmm. and not being allowed to feel anything. And, you know, she's to a place now in her healing where she was really able to acknowledge that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she was, you know, apologetic and sympathetic to, you know, yeah, I was, I was right. And I needed to have had that opportunity. So just, I mean, even in conversations like that, where. So that's changed your relationship for the better. Sorry Mm -hmm. to interrupt you. No, that's okay. No, it it has. um, It definitely has. Cause I think for, and I don't want to speak for her, but I mean, I know that we have both come to a place where we can, we can talk about it now and it's not an emotionally driven conversation. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we have, we're in that position of having hindsight and being able to take stock of it all. And um, Mm -hmm. if you could look back on yourself and maybe what you would have needed to hear, which you obviously wouldn't have known then, but maybe you are privy, more privy to now. Um, Or conversely, you can think of somebody who is listening, who is an adult woman or man, and they're going through a similar experience. What, what would you tell them that maybe they might need to hear? Um, That's a good question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, I think, um, for me personally, because part of the position that I was in was being concerned with everybody else. Um, you know, I did carry initially, okay, he's going to prison. Is he going to be safe? Um, like, I felt like I had to feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I would have loved it if somebody would have come to me and said, you know what, it's okay for you just to be glad that he's going to prison mm-hmm. because I was, you mm-hmm. know, I was happy and, um, but I felt like, okay, that, that family loyalty of, oh, he's my dad and I don't want him to get hurt, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> if he gets hurt, you know, now I'm kind of like, well, maybe, you know, maybe he needs to get hurt. <laughs> it's just, I, mean, I know that that's probably a wrong attitude, but, um, you know, I think just having somebody tell me that whatever emotion I'm feeling, it's okay. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, it's okay to grieve the loss of the person that he was Mm -hmm. to feel a sadness for that. Mm -hmm. Um, it is okay to hate him Mm -hmm. for a while, as long as you know, you're not getting bitter and unhealthy about it. I think that's a natural process. Um, but just, just having freedom that just to let him go, Mm. just to have the freedom to say, I'm just gonna, I'm cutting him off. I don't have to Mm -hmm worry about him or think about him. I don't have to hate him. I don't have to love him. That's a good point. Yeah. I have the freedom to just be like, I'm done. He's gone. I'm yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it took me a while, you know, and I think there are still moments where, you know, I just, I have to remind myself it's okay for me just to be done. Yeah. So that would be, I think something. Um, that's good. No, I love that. Um, is your dad ever getting out of prison? 
Um, he was sentenced to two simultaneous 25-year sentences. Okay. And that was about six years ago or so. So I believe in 2040-something. Okay. He may be eligible for parole. Okay. Um, I mean, he would be close to 90, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I just hope that that is just where he stays because yeah, I think that that is where he should be. I think that um, he spent so many years being a master manipulator and deceiving people about who he really was. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is a safe person to ever have the right to be out amongst people again. Yeah. I believe for the damage and the wreckage and the destroyed lives that he caused, mm-hmm. he should never have any kind of freedoms again yeah um I think it's a good conversation to have mm-hmm. I think that um it's something that people should be able to talk about more I mean I know you know I mentioned that something had happened to me when I was younger mm-hmm. you know and it was a friend's dad and you know when I told her that it happened she just started crying um because it had been happening to her for years. And then when we told her mom, you know, of course she was irate and she was livid. And then she came out and said, well, he's going to stay here because we can't afford to make him leave. And I just feel like, you know, and then I was asked not to say anything, which that didn't happen. I said something, mm-hmm. but, um, did you, did you ever press charges? I did. Um, And, you know, I remember going to the police, it wasn't like a police station. It was maybe a counselor's office or something. They gave me the teddy bear. I told them my statement. They wrote it all down. I remember doing all that. Um, How old were you? I was 12. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was already older, but, um, and it was all just, (laughs) yeah, I was 12. Um, But from what I understand, he only spent like two weeks in jail because I don't believe that my friend's mom pressed charges. Okay. Because for her, that had been happening since she was three. Oh my gosh. And so that was, um, a, a long, long thing for her, but you know, it, there wasn't, you know, her mom didn't feel like I have a resource where I can say, I have to make this man leave, mm. you know, because of this. Um, and I feel like it's just, I mean, something that that needs to be talked about. Like, yeah, I know that. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you, uh, that you agreed to come on the show and share that because I, that's, that's my desire is to let people know that they're not alone. It's things like this and experiences like this, where it really does feel like you're alone. Yeah. I mean, I think I know. And again, this is, this was more my mom than me, but it was, she, she didn't want to talk about it for a long time because I know there was more shame and stigmatism for her. Um, but man, I just think if people can talk about it, you know, because obviously we are not victims to any degree of the people that he hurt, Mm -hmm. but there was still some serious ruin that happened in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
I just feel like there should never be anybody who feels shame because of what somebody that we loved has done. Yes. You know, that's, that's not ours. Mm -hmm. We didn't know. I mean, we can't, we can't take that on ourselves and um, there needs to be opportunity for healing and moving on from that. Just a minute, baby. Good job. She brushed her teeth. (laughs) All right. Well, as we close out here today, I ask every guest to share at the end, just one thing, one truth that you want um, the listeners to remember when the show ends, what you have learned, a truth you have learned. I have learned that I am resilient Mm. and um, life will kick you in the proverbial nuts. (laughs) And we can rebound. (laughs) I mean, my truth is, I mean, things that you never imagined being able to hit your life. It does. And Mm -hmm. you can push through it and you can come out on the other side, stronger and wiser Mm -hmm. and with better perspective. Mm -hmm. I love how Amber shared her heart with us and the, just the, utter realness of her story. And I hope that if you've been impacted by this message, if you feel like you're navigating that alone space right now, that you feel like you're not alone, that you feel like you have a comrade, a friend. And I trust that you will take Amber's words of wisdom, words of truth as your own, that it's okay to feel all of the things. It's okay to feel the grief. It's okay to feel the anger. It's okay to feel the disappointment. It's okay to feel the love. Even if you find that all of your memories of this person that you loved have been tainted by who you now know them to be. It's my desire, friends, that this show be like the therapy room exposed, where we're talking about things that maybe some of us only feel are qualified to talk about behind closed doors and behind four walls. I pray that you see this as a safe space, one where we can talk about the real stuff, about the real thoughts that we contend with and how we can learn, grow, flourish, and prosper, even through the darkest places. This season has been all about thriving alone. And even when it feels like you are all alone, I hope that you go back and replay some of these episodes, share these episodes with a friend that you know is going through something and they feel alone. Offer them the encouragement, offer them the wisdom that I've shared from the guests who have been brave enough to come on the show for season four. Friends, I have the last solo episode of season four coming to you this Friday. And in that episode, I'm going to be announcing the theme of season five, which you guys, I'm so excited about it. And I can't wait to tell you about it. That'll be the great reveal on on Friday. Also, please remember that I have a space where you don't have to feel alone. I have a space where you can connect with me on a regular basis. And that's in my Thriving Thoughts texting community. All you need to do to join is text the word THRIVE to 540-369-2139. Those instructions are in the show notes for you to refer to at a later time. If you're in your car driving right now, do not stop to write down that number. But do check it out. We'd love to see you there. I text you three times per week with a challenge and with an encouragement so that you can establish and walk in a thriving thought world so that you can learn to speak truth over the lies so that you will thrive. 